Hey, everybody. Welcome to the TechConnect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Riverman. So, Dean, uh, this whole like online shopping, ship to home, yes. Bopus, all that stuff shifted the way consumers think about retail A little and bit. grocery. Yep. But we know that those companies still want people to actually go to the store. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, in there's store still traffic. a lot of retail happening. Pretty important. In the good old brick and mortar. Exactly. Yes. So now as people are getting back to being back in store, you know, we're yes. in this different phase of the pandemic. That's right. Well, they want to keep that traffic going, but they also want to figure out ways to keep people in store, get them mm-hmm. excited, keep mm-hmm. them buying, keep them engaged. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked a lot about omni-channel POS on the on For the sure. before. For sure. A, a way to kind of enable that whole, like, experiential shopping right. in brick right. and mortar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about digital displays? Okay. We don't talk about that quite enough. Oh. So that's going to be part of our topic today. We've got Jay Hutton joining us from Visibility. He's going to help us talk a little bit about what they call the store as a medium. I love it. Uh, I so love it. We're going to talk about what does that mean yes. and how do you implement that with store displays. Yes. We're going to talk about how you use the store to, to, to maximize engagement for customers. All right. And also what kind of data that kind of technology can provide. So now we got a good one here. We this do. Is Some good very stuff. interesting yep. talking points here. I'm excited to get into this. We might actually be getting a little step closer to the unofficial film of the Tech Connect Podcast Minority Report. <laughs> just one I'm, I'm step just closer. Saying, just yes. think about that as you're listening today. Yes. And, and, and maybe go back and we'll revisit that at the end and talk about that a little bit more. Fair so, enough. Fair uh, enough. All that plus our usual value to the VAR and what's Tech Connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, let's start off today. I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Intel, yep. who invites you to check out Tech Connect Live. That's right. Which was our session from Vartech 2022, where we featured over 40 ISVs mm-hmm. to give 90 second pitches about who they are, what they're looking for in partners, and what you get by working with them. Absolutely. So check out the link in the show notes if you want to watch the whole show. I highly recommend it. There's lots of yeah, great companies. You're looking there, for including some good visibility. Partners? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And thank you so much to Intel for sponsoring that event. Yeah, absolutely. All right, as I mentioned today, our guest is Jay Hutton. He is the co-founder, president, and CEO of Visibility. Now, I will also point out, and Jay, you can address this yourself here in a moment, Visibility is one of these companies that's dropped all their vowels. There's no I's in here. So if you're Google searching for it, <laughs> yes, yeah. you exactly. And it's a running gag on our show that you, you're not allowed to, to start a tech company these days without dropping your vowels. So Jay, tell us how that came to be and tell us a little bit about your day-to-day life and how you came to found Visibility. So you know how when you pay a uh, when you pay a marketing outside marketing agency a bunch of money, mm-hmm. and what you're expected to come out with at the end of that process is something cool. We have to understand that north north of fifty, you're never going to understand. You just need to trust <laughs> that it makes sense and that it has some level of cool attached to it. So yeah, it was a room that had maybe twelve people in it. Uh, I might have been on the higher end of the age spectrum, might have been, uh, but uh, I'm told that uh, vowels are like 1995 and they're not cool anymore. We probably only have a, an 18 letter alphabet now, but uh, yes, it is, uh, it is, I'm told, cool and um, it has been reinforced as cool since. It does offer us some challenges in the SEO world, as you mentioned. <laughs> So we'll try and make sure we keyword the visibility, the full word, uh, as well as uh, the visibility, our shortened version of it. But yeah, that, that's that's how we come across it. And it's it's 
now there's brand equity in it and we're, we're sort of too far into to change it. Right. 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 Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, Jay. What, you know, uh, how did you get to where you are visibility? Oh, well, it, so I'm a serial entrepreneur. This is number five, uh, startup for me. It's an illness. Um, and, and I, uh, I've convinced my wife that it's better than a, you know, a regular job, uh, nine to five. I did spend the first part of my career at large corporations, learned a little bit about what I liked and what I didn't like. I had an opportunity at that time to be involved in a very large company that was just IPOing. I was employee number 60. And in four years, there was 13,000 employees. And it is a crazy growth. This was 93, 94, when everything was going up and to the right. You know, the internet was being built and the company I was working for at the time was building the internet. So that's a good place to be. Uh, and then I went from there at 29 years old thinking that, you know, Everything I touch turns to gold, which is not the case. Let me tell you, um, I went I went to work for uh, a venture capital and th- I read business plans. That was my job. <laughs> I, I found one I liked and I convinced them to fund it. And that was the beginning of my you know small company emergence. And, you know, for me, I've had you know a couple of failures, but I've had a couple of successes to uh, companies that went public and one that exited quite nicely. The other one we're in the middle of right now. And hopefully, hopefully it will turn out reasonably well for us, but I'm excited about it. It's a great category. Great. Right, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys have a great concept. Um, I was very impressed when I went to your website when we were talking about having you on and just kind of reading over what you do and your philosophy about, mm-hmm. you know, about stores and digital signage and displays. Mm-hmm. And and it, again, I make the joke about it, but it very much reminded me like, hey, we always talked about Minority Report. It's one of our earliest gags on this show. That's right. You know, this idea of being able to walk into a store or a mall or something and have, you know, something that's Hi, John. scanning your yes. face or right. scanning your eyes. Yeah. And, and telling you, you know, like, hey, you know, did you did you like those sweaters that you bought? You know, and, and it's been a running gag. Like, is that actually going to happen? Well, I think you guys are getting about as close to it as we're going to get right now. Mm-hmm. So let's start and off by... Dean, the character in that movie was named John. I'm not sure that's if you a good point. Oh, good there. point. Yeah. Good point. Yes. <laughs> yep. You're right. That's a good point. <laughs> Excellent trivia. Uh, when we started our financing, you know, when you start financing a small company, a lot of it is your critical valuation metrics, the math of it all. And a lot of it is Hollywood, right? A, a lot of it is the promotion piece. So we we clip the first 30 seconds for when John, the character, is wandering through the mall hallway and he's being targeted by a Lexus ad and he's targeted by an American Express ad that has his name on the card. You know, it, it's... This is uh, this is how we began to tell our story. Well, so here go. we are joking about it. He's using yeah, he's, the real he's world doing it, yeah. to pitch a VC. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, this this is why folks like Jay are you know making these companies and That's making right. money from That's these companies, right. yeah. and folks like us are just telling jokes on a podcast. That's exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, both have their role. Both yeah, have exactly. their valuable role. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into this then. Let's start by explaining uh, the concept that you guys have of the store as a medium. What does that mean to you, and and how are stores pivoting to compete with online shopping and all the things that have pulled people away from brick and mortar, and now they're trying to get them back in and get them engaged? Mm-hmm. Well, well, first thing I want to point out, just to sort of, it's an urban myth that the that online has, has taken over from bricks and mortar. It's not true. It's just simply not true. The, the, the reality is that 70% of purchases, perhaps more in some regions, is still uh, fulfilled on, on in a physical store. COVID changed a bunch of that, but those metrics are like, they're back to where they were before. So bricks and mortar, to Dean's point earlier, is not going anywhere. And and we're now looking at ways to reimagine bricks and mortar so that we take the best part of online and we bring it into offline. So it's not competing with online, it's augmenting online. So what can I do about the physical store 
that uh, benefits from some of the online experiences. And, and one of the things we learned during the last six or seven years is that once we were able to measure audiences in physical bricks and mortar, we began to level the playing field between online and offline. Because what online offers more than anything is very clear uh, metrics on visitation, impression, attention, that sort of thing. Audience profiles. When we could do that in-store and the way we do that in-store is with computer vision. And initially it was un unassailable because it was so expensive to do. But now that we've got, because of Intel and because of work on the processor base and because of the commoditization of camera technology, we now have the ability to measure audiences in retail. What benefit is that to us? Well, there's not a brand on the planet that doesn't want a more intimate engagement with their consumer. Not one. They speak about this all the time. And they worry about the ongoing participation and cooperation of retail when it comes to accessing their consumer. So they're interested in a direct relationship with their consumer. Every brand on the planet wants this. So we're giving them the ability for the first time to deliver advertising impressions, promotion, in-store, at the point of sale where the moment of truth is. Where we, we, we can actually act on the messaging, the brand narrative that we're getting. We can buy that which is being promoted to us. So it's, high, it's, it's about building highly engaging interactive services that benefits the consumers, that the consumers embrace, and that brands will see for the first time because they get ROI, they get measurability. And, and that, that's why I think it's going to change the landscape. Brands speak about it in terms of the data dividend. They all have legions of people that are responsible for understanding in greater granularity their consumer and their consumer shopper journey. And this is a critical part of it. You, you could, might even argue it's the most critical part of it because it, it, gets you, uh, it gets you impressions delivered right where the action happens, where decisions are made. And what he, I think what Jay's tapping into here is just this this momentum that is now being seen in the retail space, mm -hmm. you know, in the space itself. I mean, when you start looking at what some of the movers and shakers, I'm using air quotes, uh, <laughs> are, are doing, you know, there was the whole online world. There is the whole online world right. and the massive amounts of, of media spend that goes on there. Right. But but to Jay's point, you know, the reason why they've been so successful, the reason Google or Alphabet is where it is today is because they can offer some granularity. Even though there's still a lot of voodoo behind Google, if you ask me, voodoo. <laughs> it, it, there's there's Google voodoo there on, but we won't get into there. But anyway, uh, you know that's how they built their business, right? right? And so right. now you've got Amazon. Amazon, I think, just went over two billion dollars yep. uh, in right. their ad spend in 2021, right? And so, and every single one of them are kind of getting in the in the road. But you're starting to see a transition of some of those dollars into the medium, which is the retail space. Right. And I think that's why what Jay's doing is just brilliant here in the sense of, okay, well, you know, the technology is there. It used to be a, a little bit of a technology hurdle right. to try to match where we were in the online world. I mean, in 2000, 2005, you know, when Google was starting to ramp up, you d we just didn't have the kind of technology uh, and the compute power and and just the, where we're at today. But man, I'm, it, it's a tipping point, right? So I think that phrase, the store as the medium, is, is a really good one to start mm -hmm. framing out in people's mind what that store can actually do. Yeah, it took me a second to kind of wrap my mind around that when I first started looking at it. And, it, and what I realized when I thought more about it, and, and Jay clarified this too just now, is that the idea that when you, you know, most advertising for stores, groceries, whatever it is, mm -hmm. it's all about 
contacting you outside of the store and getting you there mm-hmm. is always about, hey, can we get you, can we send a flyer to you? Can mm-hmm. we advertise somewhere online? Can we do a television commercial, uh, billboard, whatever it is, something to get you to get to the store? Mm-hmm. But then not acknowledging like, hey, you know, it, it's beneficial to advertise and market within the store as well. And not just the basic like shelf talkers and, right. yeah. you know, yeah. little signs that, you know, on sale now or check this out type mm-hmm. stuff. You mm-hmm. know, people are, are, are immune and inured to that kind of stuff at this point. You know, we you go through a store. How much do you actually pay attention to everything little thing you see on all the shelves mm-hmm. and all the little signs everywhere? People just don't. Mm. But we and we've talked about this in other episodes in a lot of other ways, too, that we're all very comfortable and used to looking at screens. Mm-hmm. We pay attention to screens and displays. Mm-hmm. And so if you have something that can engage people when they get there and still keep that advertising and marketing flowing and, again, just keep ramping up that engagement, why would you not do that? Mm-hmm. So, so Jay, that's kind of where I want to get to our next question here, which is t- to talk about this core concept of this whole store as a medium, which is using digital in-store digital displays in order to drive additional purchases, especially unplanned ones, the stuff that people weren't planning to buy. You know, it's not a, it's not enough anymore just to put some gum and candy bars at the cash <laughs> register and hope someone picks that up. You know, you, you want to try to drive a, a bigger basket, you know, in other ways too. So give us some of the research, some of the data behind this. You know, why does this work and how did you come to decide that, hey, you know, dynamic digital displays are the way to get people to, to buy more and do more once they're in store? Well, for me, the most compelling research at a high level, starting macro, is uh, work done by Boston Consulting Group last spring, I want to say April. And at that time, they said that this, at that point, nascent retail media network channel, which is an, another, it's kind of synonymous to the store as a media channel, the idea of building retail media networks, um, that, that channel will in four years be worth $100 billion. And, and it, you could say that it's, under 100 million at the moment. So that is mammoth growth. And if that is not hyperbolic, if that is to be believed, it is the fastest growing media channel on the history of the planet. That's faster growth than the internet itself. So that is that helps me when I'm talking to investors about, about why we're doing what we're doing and why we're spending the money we're spending, because this is the opportunity and nothing has equaled it in the internet world or in the media world for hundred years. So that's some of the metrics. And, but also I pulled up, uh, when I saw you were going to ask this question, I pulled up, of course, there's reams and reams of statistical data you could go through to support the hypothesis of, of what we've been talking about here, but I'm going to give you some critical ones. And I'm going to start with what you just mentioned about shelf talkers. An Arbitron study was done sponsored by Nielsen, uh, in 2021, but it was done on historical information. It wasn't just a COVID study. Uh, and the shelf talker, which is the um, basically the standard bearer for in-store trade marketing, if you understand what I mean by the difference, promotion marketing in retail. And how many people recall them? This is a very basic metric, but useful to uh, look at. 3% of recall rate on shelf talkers. 3%. The equivalency on digital display, 55%. So we're talking about meteoric differences between the application of one versus the other. And you, you could just say it's simply the analogy could be analog to digital. People look at moving photo, moving images. This is why a standard display that is static will collect less impressions than a moving display because we're, it's our Neanderthal brain because it's fight or flight. It's connected to all of that. 
we look at images that move because we need to know whether that image is a threat. So when we incorporate video in retail, just like the YouTube generation consumes YouTube, it's related to that. You know, so video should be your principal media platform. But 55% recalled seeing advertisement on the screen. And here are the other metrics. I'll give you four. 19% of viewers made an unplanned purchase on something that was promoted digitally. So that's 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 increased basket right there. That's 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 the objective. 33%. Um, Four out of five brands achieved a 33% increase in sales, sales lift. We have one deployment in Penn Station with a very large Atlanta-based beverage company. (laughs) Um, 92% lift. Now, I'm not saying they will ever, ever achieve that again, but that's very interesting that it is achieving that. This is the hypothesis. The moving images attract people. When they attract people, you're going to get momentum. And 74% of people noticed monitors at the point of sale. So at checkout. Now, I would argue delivering advertising impressions at the point of sale is less valuable than delivering it at an end cap or at a shelf or at a cooler. Because in the latter instances, you're in the shopper journey. At the point of sale, you're at the end of the shopper journey. So you're impulse buy capable, but you're not really basket capable. You know, you're not, you're not going to increase your basket. And the last metric, 75% of all brand purchase decisions are made at the point of sale. So only 25% of our brand choices are made prior to entering retail. So it's, this is why it's so valuable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And as a brand manager, right? I mean, these people are fighting for that, for that territory, right? So I've decided to buy soap. Well, right. I need soap, but what soap am I going to buy? <laughs> right, right, right. And so you're saying that that brand decision quite largely is left at the point of purchase, right? I mean, I can be influenced into whatever I'm buying right then and there. That's a pretty powerful one. And I think that that's what part of the equation of why this is going to get a lot of run. Well, I think especially like what you just mentioned, the soap idea. Most people mm-hmm. don't have, I mean, you might have a soap that you use regularly, mm-hmm. but you're not like committed to right. a certain <laughs> soap brand. So get maybe, out of my right. way. I so you may know, like right. I'm going to the store and I need to buy some soap. You're not saying I need to go to the store and buy some dial or I'm right. going to yeah, buy, yeah, yeah. you know, right. Irish Spring or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. you're not making, you're not like, I, I know what I'm getting and that's the only thing I'm going to get. So you're, so you're right. You get there and you might be a little more influenced. If you mm-hmm. see something that's mm-hmm. catching your attention, it's a little more dynamic. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 it, you notice it out of the corner of your eye. Right. You stop and take a moment to look at it. Yeah. Yep. That again, I know we like uh, we all like to think that we're not influenced by this stuff. We all like to think all yeah, oh, yeah. advertising and marketing doesn't work on me. Right. We, we're we're all we're still humans. We're 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 animals at heart. <laughs> Shiny moving thing does attract our attention, and we and we typically will do something. Well, it's with the it. same reason why it works online, right? I mean, yep. like we, we are creatures of behavior, right? And so the online world has gotten very good at understanding what that behavior is and serving you uh, messaging exactly. around that, yep. right? Uh, so like it or love it or hate it or whatever, uh, the reality is, is that it is a very powerful thing. And if used correctly, uh, can be even more impactful. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So, well, okay. So then Jay, let's, let's walk through a store that's, that's enabled with this kind of technology. Uh, what are customers seeing? Where are they seeing it? How is it personalized to, as you put it, do this whole idea of entice, engage, interact, which I think is a, a great a great way to explain this concept. You know, what technology is at play here? Tell me what, what we're seeing and what's going on in the store. Can I, can I first, um, John, identify the iterations of retail? Because retail should not be viewed homogeneously. Uh, 
it's not homogenous. How, how about that? Um, C store fuel and convenience has a certain value, seven to 10,000 SKUs. There's Megamart, 10 to 15,000 SKUs. There's Hypermart, which is 100,000 plus SKUs. Think of grocery. There's DIY, 50,000 SKUs. The more SKUs there are, the more potential advertisers there are. And within each of those footprints, um, there are certain locations that are higher value than other locations. And I'll stick to grocery for just a moment. Grocery is used to the, you know, the mailed flyers. And if they have a loyalty app, the, the, the flyer will be delivered over the loyalty app. But there's a lot of people that come into the store, something in the neighborhood of 70% that do not have the loyalty app. So is there an opportunity to do a kiosk, an at, an at entrance display that shows the digital flyers and, and, and then identifies the promotion? And that's a very high value location. The end cap, because of its traffic uh, uh, and frequency components, part of the building blocks of advertising value is traffic and frequency, right? So end cap uh, is valuable as well. The cooler, because it's such a large format, number one, and number two, because it's a destination location, I'm going to the store to buy my Bud Light. Um, that is another high value. So, and, and lastly, although never to be forgotten because it's coming on strong, is the shelf itself. So each of those platforms can become digital. They're, of course, worth different uh, values in the advertising lexicon. Uh, but each of them create brand new values. So the entice, engage, interact piece is something that's part of visibility. That's our nomenclature. And the idea is I'm going to measure people that have the opportunity to walk by, opportunity to see, which is an ad metric. That's a that's an acronym used in advertising, OTS, opportunity to see, which is just a traffic metric. But I want to play something that will engage you. So I want to turn your body, John. If you're walking, I want to turn your body to the screen. And then I want to get you to approach the screen. So OTS, you're a visible impression, and you're engaged, and now you're in interacting. Now you're talking to the screen directly as a consumer. We measure the entire funnel. So we can tell Coca-Cola, 70% of the people that were in the OTS bucket became into the uh, engaged bucket. And then 20% of them went into the interact bucket. This is a great way of building value for them because they will assign an impression value and advertising value differently. OTS is a certain value, lower. Engage has a higher value. Interact has the highest value. So this creates um, a really interesting and easy to understand ecosystem for brand buyers who are looking to provide engagement and experiential, as you said at the beginning of the uh, podcast, in-store. Think about the language that we're developing here and how yeah. it relates to like online type of a world, right? I mean, uh, that, that, that's a brilliant way to kind of define the space. Right. And, and it's a needed part of the language in order to get these brand managers to understand the value of, of the medium, well, in this case, the digital display right, or right. the interactive display or whatever is being used to entice people into uh, into it. But, you know, it's it's gotten very sophisticated in the online world where we talk about, oh, the mouse is hovering and you can heat map 
where people are on right, a particular right. thing. And, and then you get click-throughs. So you get impressions, you get click-throughs, you get right, and that's showing momentum towards buy. Well, what he just described is showing a momentum towards buy, yep. but in the brick-and-mortar yep. uh, type of space that really didn't exist today. Uh, so you need those types of analytics to get in there. And one of the other wonderful things about this, where we are, this nexus of where we are on the technology front, is that the technology is now no longer, I mentioned it earlier, is no longer the barrier to entry here. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. back in the day, because I came out of digital signage, you know, in the early 2000s, you're throwing up plasma monitors that cost six, seven, eight <laughs> grand, and right, it's a 32-inch right. monitor, and there's, <laughs> you know, and there's not the connectivity and stuff like that, so it was very limited by the technology. All that's kind of gone away. Right. You know, the, the, the cost of the tech is becoming less and less of an issue. The power of the compute behind the tech is really getting us to a place where this type of analytics, the AI kind of behind the scenes, is really going to start driving the language that we iterate and mm -hmm. we talk to mm -hmm. brands about uh, and to get them to invest in it, yep. right? So yeah. a lot of things are kind of in flux here, yeah. uh, starting to change, but but at the same time kind of molding around this store as a medium. Yeah. yeah. And I'll be honest, I'm, I would be much more inclined to spend time in a store that offer this kind of, you know, technology. Sure. I, and and just as an example, I've you know I've been in a few stores now where the cooler thing, the cooler digital displays. Oh right, love those. I like. I remember the first time I came across that. I, I think I was just in this store for just a random picking up some extra grocery mm -hmm. stuff between trips, and happened to turn and walk down the aisle. I I think I was on my way to the to the checkout where you know all the sodas and teas and all the you know just the single bottle drinks are. And they had the nice new digital displays up there. And I'm suddenly, and I find myself stopping. I did exactly what Jay mentioned. I stopped, I saw it, I turned, I looked, I'm like, wow, this is. This is cool. Mm -hmm. And I know from from you know my days in retail and, and what a lot of what I understand about groceries too, that like, you know, the there's always a lot of battling for the middle space. Like that that eye level, you know, where our eye typically goes when you when you go into a that's grocery right. store. Yep. I know we're talking a lot about grocery, but I think that's you know, there's a very dynamic use obviously for this in grocery in particular, where you know, you are where your eye gets drawn to, and that's where all the brands want to compete, the top brands and fight mm -hmm. for the most space and pay the most money. Because, you know, that the top is the one you're not, most people don't tend to look at. The bottom, definitely, they're not looking at. But I feel like when you incorporate these displays, mm -hmm. that kind of goes away a little bit. And mm -hmm. I think maybe it gives a little bit more leverage for every brand to kind of, you know, mm -hmm. no matter where they're sitting on the shelf, to not feel like, oh, I've got to fight for this space in the middle. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at that display, it's just so dynamic and, and lovely. And it's mm -hmm. not it's not tilted in or shadowed in any way. You can see every bit of it and, and you're 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 more attracted to it. And I find myself looking all over and going, wow, I, I want to check out everything that's here. And, you know, and I, I honestly think the first time I saw it, I did walk up and open up one of those cool and grabbed a drink out just because it got my eye. I was like, right. yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd like a Mountain Dew right now. Sure. sure. You know? So I, I, <laughs> I love this stuff. Especially as refreshing as what I just saw. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah, they made it look so good. They had it like shift over to like pouring into a glass. Yeah, it looked fantastic. So, yeah. so I, I love this stuff and I, and I like what we're talking about here. So, so Jay, you know, uh, Dean mentioned briefly a little bit about analytics and the data here. And I think that's another important aspect of this that I want us to get into, um, because I know you know you're doing some stuff here with machine vision, and you're you know there's opportunities to to gather data from the customers that are engaging with these these platforms, and you know and and you you talked about the rates of you know of advertising and the mm -hmm. OTS and all this stuff. So mm -hmm. what kind of data do retailers get from these displays? And and, and contrary to that, or you know in uh, in addition to that, how are they using that data? How's it going to help them out? So uh, that's a very interesting question that speaks. Um kind of equally well to the dynamics of, of purchasing decisions. If you allow me to address that, and then I'll jump into that because they're very closely tied. We all know retail. 
we know retail make a two to three percent gross margin or net margin. It, 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 they're never going to invest in this technology, no matter how much the technology has dropped in price. It's just never going to happen. So for the most part, from a global point of view, this is a brand initiative. Brands sponsor this. And when we build the reason why we worked so aggressively with Intel to crack the code of the financial model is we knew that somebody had to crack the code so that a retailer could see how their shelf, their real estate could be leveraged to create a digital platform that they didn't have to invest in, but they would benefit from. So the idea here is we bring in financial parties, we bring in logistics parties, we bring in all of that to, to, the, to the table so the retailer can make a very easy decision about whether or not to leverage his shelf and, and, and then participate on the back end of the influx of brand new revenue created by the media. But what is that data? That data is, and by the way, like as I, as I said before, every brand wants data. You could talk to a brand person that knows a little bit about online and they will give you pages and pages and pages of the analytics they do online. We're doing something similar in retail. Uh, so age, gender, dwell time, dwell time in aisle, dwell time in store, dwell time against signage, emotional engagement. We can do creative A-B testing because it's online. I can test the energy drink in Florida to 25 to 35-year-old males. I can test the same, the different creative to the same population in Chicago. And I can compare the two in real time. Because it's digital, I have that ability to do it. And because it's able to uh, drive content based upon what the camera sees, demographically speaking, we've got some really cool. We all know that the more you can personalize your message, the more valuable that message is. So we've got some incredible opportunity. We're just scratching the surface. Where it's going, if I may just quickly finish my comment with this, where it's going is the integration of first and third party data. What do I mean by that? Point of sale data, mobile attribution data, the movements of phones within stores. Um, once I've got point of sale data, now I can connect dwell time at a display to transaction log. Now I've got conversion, the holy grail. Now I can tell an advertiser with some inference, your advertisement that happened at this time generated this yield on the transaction log. We've never been in a place before. The internet can never do that except for online fulfillment. Uh, so be able, be able to do that in a store for an advertiser creates another element of compelling uh, uh, yield benefit fascinating isn't it yeah, i mean no being able to start to connecting that so like you said we're getting closer to the minority I, report i think so you know yeah. the ability to do that here but but that the, these are critical uh, things concepts if you will do we got to have to we're going to have to be able to tackle it uh, to get in there but to be able to prove if you will the sales are happening and give people the 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 qualitative data behind it in a way right, that's unlike right. before this is this is the revolution that's going to be happening in the space yeah, yeah i agree and i you know i think there's I like the idea of, you know, the, you know, we talk about Minority Report as the, you know, the joke end all be all mm -hmm. kind of thing. But I, you know, I think we're still a ways away from, you know, personal identifiers, exact personal identifiers. Mm -hmm. You know, that you get into sticky realms of privacy and stuff there. That's right. But there's no reason you can't do this and identify enough kind of, you know, demographic information to at least target. Okay, Absolutely. Let's, let's say a mom comes in and she's got two kids with her. Mm -hmm. And if you can identify that there's a mother with two children and 
put up some kind of advertising that is specific to, mm-hmm. hey, you know, looking for a quick meal for the family kind of thing, or, you know, uh, shop the latest hottest toys or something like that. Mm-hmm. Something that, you know, can speak to them in particular without having to, you know, specifically say like, hello, Susie, I see you're here with little Jimmy and right, Johnny. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you don't want to necessarily get, you know, not, people don't necessarily want that creep factor just yet. Right. But there's no reason why you can't do something with some of the basic information that can, again, just all lead to, you know, to this, the holy grail then in retail and in grocery of, mm-hmm. I just want people to buy more while they're here. I want them to think about buying more. I don't want them to come in for their one item and leave with one item. Mm-hmm. I want them to come in for one item and leave with six, mm-hmm. you know, and, and anything you can do to get there is, is, is amazing. And, and I, as a marketing geek, you know, you want well, yeah. one too, like hearing about the opportunity to gather this kind of data is just, well, oh, it's exciting. I, when you make a claim that you're going to go up to a hundred, was it a hundred billion, Jay? Is that the number that you, in, in four years, is the potential yeah. spend that's going to be happening that's on these retail media networks, if you will? Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's a lot of yeah. money, right? There's I a lot of gravity if, um, around I wonder that. if they need a couple of podcasters for any of these retail <laughs> media networks. <laughs> that could be our, our night gig. <laughs> oh, there you go. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, if you're a VAR and you're wondering, how do I get in on this? We're going to get to that in just a moment here with our Value of the VAR segment. But first, I want to, as always, thank our Tech Connect members, yep. uh, those who fund and sponsor our program and the podcast in particular. Of course, Intel is one of those Absolutely. program sponsors. We yep. appreciate them. And we very much appreciate all of the amazing software companies they've brought into our yes. ecosphere, like yes. visibility. We, you know, yep. we we love having you guys in here. If nothing else, you know, one, just to find interesting new partners and also to mm-hmm. great guests for us to bring That's on the right. show That's right. to talk about this stuff. Uh, but hey, as always, if you like the show, um, you know, you've got a few options. If you're watching us on YouTube right mm-hmm. now, hit the like button, mm-hmm. hit subscribe to our channel, leave us a comment, tell us what you thought about this episode, your thoughts on what we've discussed. If you're listening on a podcast platform of your choice, if there's an opportunity to leave a rating and review, Please do that as always, especially on iTunes. It's Absolutely. a great way to help grow our audience and it's get how the people word find out. us. Yep, exactly. And for that matter, if there's someone in the in the business that you you know want to share something about this with, I mean, maybe not your competition. Maybe you're like, hey, I want to get give them a leg out. Right. But, you know, yeah. a, a colleague or somebody in a different part of the <laughs> industry that you want to share the podcast with, please do that. We you know always love to. The word of mouth is is a big part of what helps us out there. Of course, as always, uh, if you have ideas yes. for the show, yes, uh, we are always interested in learning. Always you looking for good ideas. Want to know about? You know, That's what right. do you want on the see mm-hmm. on the show? Who do you want us to be talking to? What topics do you want us to talk about? There's always a link in the show notes where you can drop us a an idea for the show. And just for submitting an idea, even if we don't use it, if it's not one that really works for us, we will still send you a Tech Connect podcast T shirt. That's right. Very comfortable, fuzzy, you know, fuzzy, soft, soft yes. t-shirt. Very nice. it's, yes. yeah. I mean, who doesn't need another t-shirt? You wear it with pride. Exactly. Yes. Uh, and of course, as always, if you want to stay in touch with us, find out what we're talking about, or just reach out to us at any time, you can always find us on Twitter at TechConnectPod. You can also email us, TechConnect at BlueStarInc.com. All right, let's wrap things up with our, our two recurring segments. Let's yes. start with our value of the VAR. Here. Yep, yep. Because as I mentioned, VARs might be listening to this and thinking, like, this sounds cool. Yep. What, what wait, do I get wait, out of this? I see how this do... thing happening in my space. Yeah. Now, how do I start taking how do advantage I, how of How do that? I get in on this? So, yeah. so Jay, help us out here. How do VARs get in on it? What should they be looking for with their retail and grocery customers? And how does visibility get to help them get an opportunity pushed through? The thing about VARs is they have reach into places that it would be impossible to get as an organization that's got a direct outreach capability. And we have a direct outreach capability, of course, but our go-to-market is through the VARs. They've got relationship. They've got local presence. Uh, as you can imagine, there's a lot of logistical moving parts as this thing gets deployed. And those are all um, perfectly suited for VAR engagement. Um, 
when when this network reaches 100 billion in size, it will be a composite, a quilt of networks across the U.S. There'll be the big ones, Walmart, Kroger, Target, you can imagine. And then there'll be smaller ones that are stitched together that can be purchased by an advertiser as a conglomerate, a network, like a, a Fox News affiliate, It's if I could use the broadcast analogy. The VARs are going to be critical to building that second tier of, uh, of um, retail media networks. And we will bring the expertise, we'll bring the financing, we'll bring all the other pieces, but the VARs will bring us the components that we cannot possibly scale and, and build in time, which is the relationship, the local feel on the ground, and we'll be exposing them to a recurring revenue model, which every VAR on the planet is interested in looking at right now. So there's a real significant value for the VARs, in my opinion, and, and we're, we're, we can't be successful without them. How do VARs Love get it. into this? You got, we, we always talk about partners, right? Yep. We talked yep. about the VAR 2.0's got to be partner assisted in right. order to grow. Yeah. You need partners like Visibility who know their stuff. If I right. could just be right. perfectly frank, uh, and have a solution that you can walk in the door, even in the SMB world. You know, I know that we talk a lot because it's just easy to convey the targets of the world and the WalMarts and stuff like right. that. But this has an implication. It's going to have an implication all the way down to the small mom and pa. The media networks are being built out. I love the an, the uh, an, uh, analogy. Analogy, thank you, <laughs> of a quilt, of a quilt, because you're you're dead on yep, there, Jay. Yep. I mean, you're right. This this these media networks are going to be fueled by these little smaller networks, but the infrastructure to do that is in place today. They, right. There are ways in which these media buyers can go out and they can buy into the small realm. So yep. it's going to be a little bit of a land grab. And if you're a reseller out there, you got to get to know this technology a little bit. You got to get to know great people like Jay and the folks over at Visibility so that you can now start taking advantage of that. And I love it. Tap into that recurring yeah, revenue. Yeah. You know, I, I love this whole idea, this whole like kind of a regional network thing, because it makes me think of, and everybody knows this, wherever region you live in, you've got some like regional stuff that's that you're used to in your area yeah. that you'll see at a lot of different stores. Like oh, sure. again, I'm, I'm going to think back to like the grocery and C store analogy. Yep. So I think of our local area. We live in the Cincinnati area. And every season when the Bengals start a new season, like a Hootay beer will come out mm -hmm. or, or a Hootay, you know, label for a certain type of beer might come out. Mm -hmm. Or we have Geta Fest every year in this right. area. Yeah. Geta what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's people are like, what's Geta? What the hell's that? Uh, yeah. so, so, but you know, but I think of that kind of stuff like imagine if you you know all these stores suddenly start stocking this stuff mm -hmm. around these regional events or certain times of the year and imagine if you have you know if you're you know helping them tap into this network of advertising where the second that a release like that comes out and it's available in store there's advertising popping up out there mm -hmm. and again it's getting blanketed out to everybody in an entire region it's not mm -hmm. just you know not just the big dogs not just the that's right the top market stores but no. some of the mom and pop and the smaller s and b even stores more so and, into those too. folks yeah. absolutely Absolutely. That's exactly. where programmatic digital out of home is going, you know, from, from that perspective. Yep, very 100%. much so. So, yeah, again, it's that whole idea of, you know, find yourself good partners that can help you drive business in new directions and new ways. And, and I, I think visibility is clearly one of those. Yep. That's I, the fact that Jay said, hey, we can't do this without the VARs. We need your help. Mm -hmm. That's that's a that's that should be your, your giveaway right there that these guys are, are ready to help. Well, you. think of the scale that needs to happen to get to 100 billion. I mean, that, that's a yeah. big scale. Yeah, that even is. when you have yeah. Amazons of the world in the two billion range. OK, there's still a lot of range. And I know that wasn't in store, but, you know, just trying to make right, the equation. Right. Oh, man, there's a lot of. Yeah, you want you want a piece there. of that. That's not a that's not not a, a growth that you want to just let oh. slip on by. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll get into it eventually. Uh, the next yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go for the next under Billy. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, hey, let's wrap things up, as always, with our favorite segment, What's Tech Connecting with You? This is where we get to talk about something in the broader world of science, tech, innovation, something that got our interest, uh, caught our attention that we wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. So, Jay, I'll let you start. What's Tech Connecting with You right now? Well, I don't want to sound myopic. I'm going to in a second. But um, there are actually two things that I'm very interested in. One, one, one I get paid to be interested in, but I would be anyway. And the second is, is uh, you know, a, a unique area for me. Um, I'm interested in the ethics of AI. I'm not in the Elon Musk camp that the robots are going to take over the world. We ought to be really scared of that. I don't believe that that's a problem. But I do believe we have a compelling issue. And that is, we as an industry are not asserting regulation on ourselves. And when we don't, government will. And government will screw it up. So we have to make sure as an organization, we get in front of AI ethics. And right now, we're not. We're being led, not leading. So that's an important and passionate topic for me. The second one, which has nothing to do with the technology that I spend my day to day in, and might be a, a controversial, but I'm really interested in nanonuke. I'm really interested in small footprint, clean energy, uh, even, even, though, even though it's, you know, in some ways negative to some populations. A nanonuke the size of a car can fuel a city or multiple cities. Man, we should be looking at that, not going the other way, which is decommissioning nuclear plants and that sort of thing. I agree. I, we, I brought that up I say, a, a yeah, couple that, like episodes The modular ago. nuclear plants. The modular yeah. small one. There's one in Idaho, yeah. I think, that they're going right. to implement, uh, which I think is great. I mean, look, you know, there's renewables, right? There's wind, there's solar. But at the end of the road, uh, you still need some kind of backup, you know, right, even when right. some of the and nuclear is it's got a it got a or bad at least a run. bridge to get us to where a we really need bad yeah. run. I'm not saying that you can't, you know, there still is the issue with getting rid of the the waste. There's a but right. there's right. a way. But yeah. that's the only issue out there. And we can tackle that. There's there's right. there's ways to tackle that. Um, so it, it is. It's just it's something that the world needs to look at because yeah. he, I think you said it once. You know, people aren't. It's not like we're going to unplug stuff. We're not, <laughs> right. Electricity is not going away. <laughs> right. You know the usage is only going up, and there, there's that's it's a clear way to tackle that. Yeah. If you ask me. Definitely. Yeah. Well, and I like that you mentioned the AI stuff there too because that was I think just last week my tech connecting was about a, a book apparently that had come yes. out from a couple philosophers like philosophy professors mm-hmm. who had said that, that basically like they don't think that it, the same way they don't think AI is going to like take over the world and like you know dominate humans but that it's you know that it's almost impossible for that to actually happen but yes to your point that there still needs to be some some ethics around it some yep. control around yep. it and, governing and yeah, guardrails we've, we've got to figure out where the guardrails are before yeah before yep. it gets out of control too much that's right so that's right in yeah, a different way sure. all right yeah, Dean, yeah, what's yeah. tech connecting with you right now so i came across an article that, that is kind of interesting what what kind of grabbed me here is it's it's around robotics robots are complex and expensive to program that's why so many businesses need automation uh, but still haven't adopted them so the whole idea around this article and apparently this company called Ally Robotics I don't know who they are but their claim to fame here is that they can implement robotics without actually having to program the robot so how does it learn it learns by watching whatever you want it to do okay. and so basically it's an arm and they're starting to use it in the QSR space like you know flipping burgers right, and right. or the fry daddy type right. of thing but again the, what's revolutionary here for this particular company is that their claim is uh, that you don't have to like 
sit down with a bunch of programmers and say, oh, okay, we want the arm to articulate, you know, e- right, e- right. Do you don't have to measure out every time. No, 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 no. They're yeah. using machine vision. Okay, just show us what you want it to do. And so you do it a couple times, that's and then cool. the arm starts doing it. And, and and to me, that's like, duh. You know, it just seems like, and so their claim is 70% less to operate their you know, equipment that can that can understand and learn off of what the physical activity you want it to do. Right, That's right. pretty brilliant. Yeah, I, no you doubt. Know, I mean, that might be a, a way to fast track some of the robotics in a variety of spaces. Yeah, of course, definitely. they're like, well, this could go everywhere. Of course, it could. <laughs> um, but but I thought that was really that's a that's a good that's a unique way of getting. Into so like that. almost like a mimicry kind of thing that you're oh, basically doing bingo. with machine yeah. vision. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Here's my pitch because we t- we were joking about um, the tech companies without the uh, the vowels. Oh oh so boy. Somebody needs to come up with like some kind of software that's called Mimic, but it's MMC. That's it. <laughs> Mimic. Well, we are, now we already have the name of the company. There you go. Probably somebody's already got that. <laughs> Second this gets out there, someone's going to copyright it and make uh, millions of dollars off of it, and we're going to be like... It's Ooh. both It's both a name and an acronym. See? Right. Yeah, see? <laughs> there you go. Even yeah, better. I guarantee you, yeah, you can come up with some kind of acronym around it. Yep, I love it. So. Uh, what's tech connecting with you, John? All right, so uh, typically Harry Potter's not really a place we think about technology, right? Correct. It's more magic. Magic. Based, fantasy, you know, yes. Fantasy, yeah. right? But now the, the legendary uh, sci-fi author, Arthur C. Arthur C. Clarke once said that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, though. Oh. So, you know, maybe what somebody might think of as magic could actually be highly advanced technology. Okay. You know, if someone right. came to us with some super advanced technology, or if you think back even, I don't know, a few hundred years ago, mm-hmm. some of the tech we have today, people might sure. see that and That's burn magic. us at the stake, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like your, your, There's a picture behind your, that yeah, glass? Exactly. What is that? Your, yeah. your devil's window or something, you know? <laughs> like, so, well, I say this because there's a company who apparently is working on a concept from Harry Potter called the Invisibility Cloak. Oh. Now, we're far way off from what they how they use it in that, where you literally just pull a cloak over yourself yeah, right. and no you're one invisible. can see you and you're yeah. invisible. But there's a company called Volback who's been working on kind of some, some different projects over the years, and there's been other iterations of invisibility technology, and there's also been people who have said it is theoretically impossible. But they've come up with something that kind of gets you a step there without necessarily the entire way there. Mm-hmm. They've created a thermal camo jacket. So this is the first step where they, they basically are infusing it with graphene material that can full infrared cameras. Let me give you the quick little specs of how oh, the jacket set up. Oh, I see. I got you. Right, right, right. So right. there's 42 panels, apparently, inside the jacket. Um, there's 42 panels of graphene around 5 centimeters square that are attached to the outside of a jacket. And then basically they control it with an electric current. They, mm-hmm. they shift the electrons mm-hmm. just enough so that a thermal camera no longer reads the heat signature anymore. Gotcha. Um, and basically, you know, you light enough of them up, can't read it anymore. Can't it's, read it. it's almost like pixelated in a way. Yep. Like, you know, you have enough yep. panels where you can do them all one at a time. Like the the demonstration they show on the uh, the article is like a little quick little video of like it looking like a smiley face. You know, uh-huh. they, they turn uh-huh. it on where it looks like just the patches that have a smiley oh, face. Oh, got there. it, got it, got it, got it. So again, we're a long way away from, you know, full invisibility. We're just talking about to thermal, you know, Unfortunately, cameras. I can already see the implication of that in military, <laughs> right? Like well, how do you thwart, you know, Of course, that's, that's exactly where well, I'm sure this just, is going. you know, outfit the uh, the other team with yeah. uh, with this technology now they can't thermally see you exactly yeah. and basically you know, people are saying well that's great but you're still not going to get around to full on visibility but their point is well hey if we're able to find a way to kind of counteract this part of the visible spectrum yeah who's to say we couldn't figure out how to get to gotcha. other parts of the visible ah, spectrum interesting in the future yes. so at least they're you know they're being cognizant of the fact that like full on invisibility is probably unlikely 
Well, but well, we can but we can get there for some practical purposes and reasons. And yes, to your point, I'm sure the military application would be a big uh, Although one I can say that one. Jay is not going to be a backer of this technology because we don't want people cloaking <laughs> themselves invisible as they're walking that's around good, the retail space. Yeah. We need to, we need to little, see that. Be a little contradictory to your current business there if, if you can't see anybody. Well, we'd, have to, we'd have to introduce radar detection. There you go. Ah, see, there's always a foil. <laughs> there yeah. you go, yeah. Like, hello, John, I see that you're here in your invisibility cloak. <clears throat> but we can still see you. Do you need new batteries for that today? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's what's tech connecting with us. Jay Hutton from visibility. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, as always, uh, stay connected with us folks. And Hey, um, you know, maybe, um, look for your own visibility cloak. Uh, Find yourself a nano nuke. Uh, now, when you said nano nuke, I totally thought that was like you know, like I don't know, a miniature nuclear bomb, just right? To like you no. know, yeah, blow up a part of your backyard or something for <laughs> for excavation. I don't know. <laughs> and as always, folks, please stay connected. Technic podcast is brought to you by Elo. Uh, all right, if you're looking for the kind of displays that are going to stand out and help entice yes. and engage customers yes. to enable this whole store as a medium thing right. that we talked about, yep, yep, yep. Uh, look no further than Elo's large format interactive digital signage. With size options from 32 to 65 inches, Elo offers touchscreens that add brilliant interactive canvases to any environment with sleek, slim designs built to withstand the rigors of continuous commercial use. You know, like if there's kids That's banging on them. really important. Absolutely. People, people tapping them like crazy because they don't know where to touch. commercial and, use. They own that space. Yeah, they, got, they got it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, we know Elo prides itself on modularity mm. and choice for any need. So here True. are just a few of the options in, uh, that are available with these displays. PCAP or infrared touch technology. Very nice. Uh, you can wear your infrared jacket, though, if you, you know, your, your invisibility <laughs> yeah, cloak, cloaking. if you don't, if you yeah. don't want to be seen. Yeah. Right. Uh, anti-friction glass, touch-through capability, 4K options, computer modules, Edge Connect peripherals. I mean... What more do you need? Everything. Yeah, okay, it's, it's got it's the all Edge there. Compute there to drive what we just talked about with visibility. Exactly. Yeah. Elo backs all of this up with a minimum three-year warranties and optional on-site exchange if service is needed. Again, check out the link in the show notes to browse the options, specs, and to buy now. TechNet Podcast is brought to you by Zebra. Uh, we just talked about the uh, all the great data collection opportunities in yes, store, right, Dean? Yes. Well, why not put that data into the palm of your employees' hands? Ooh. Introducing the TC53 and TC58, the first members of a new generation of Zebra mobile computers designed to do more. There you go. All right, what makes these devices so different? New hardware redefines mobile computing performance. New solutions and sensor technologies, as well as the latest and fastest wireless technologies, including 5G, Wi-Fi 6E, and CBRS, redefine the world of possibilities. Mm. It's a class-leading full HD plus six-inch display that helps workers see more, do more, and scroll less. Even better. Even better. Uh, With Zebra-only mobility DNA tools, the TC53 and TC58 offer a built-in advantage, maximizing user productivity while minimizing IT complexities throughout the entire device lifecycle. Mm -hmm. Also, new manufacturing technologies make them thinner, yet even more rugged. You want a giant, clunky device. No, you don't. People want their smartphone-type feel. Exactly, yeah. It's got to feel like what they are. Exactly. The TC53 and 58 mobile computers offer a new generation of data collection, a new level of operational efficiency, and a new level of work workforce productivity, driving new possibilities into the world of mobility. To learn more and find resources like spec sheets, a battle card, and more tools that will help you sell, check out the link in the show notes.